This week's Parsha is Parsha's Noach, and we're going to do something that we've never done before. Um, I think that there's a lot of thoughts that we had over Yantif in general, and also some tidbits of Divrei Torah. So we're going to present a potpourri of different ideas, of tidbits. And of course, we have to start with the Parsha. So, first idea is, and I, I will... I will, I will explain where it's not connected at all. So the first idea we have is I was thinking like this. Is that the Gemara says in Zvachim on uh, page 113a. The Gemara relates a machloikis, a dispute between Rabbi Yochanan and Rosh Lakish. The Gemara says that Rabbi Yochanan Rabbi Yochanan holds that Rabbi Yochanan holds, let's start with Rosh Lakish. Rosh Lakish holds that the flood happened everywhere. Yeah? The flood happened everywhere. Meaning the entire planet was flooded with the waters of the flood. Right? However, Rabbi Yochanan holds, no, that the flood happened everywhere except Eretz Yisrael. Mar Sovar Yorid Mabul Eretz Yisrael, Mar Sovar Lo Yorid. And one opinion holds that the Mabul did not go to Eretz Yisrael. That's the Machlokes between Rabbi Yochanan and Rosh Lakish. Famous Machlokes between Rabbi Yochanan and Rosh Lakish. Toysus here points out, Toysus points out that the Pasuk says in, in the Parsha 7, it says, that the waters of the flood covered all of the the waters of the flood covered all of the mountains. So how does that fit with the opinion of Rabbi Yochanan that there was no flood in Eretz Yisrael, but there were mountains in Eretz Yisrael, right? That's what Toysus is very bothered about. So Toysus says two answers. We're going to say one answer because we're going to say the other answer after. Toysus says that it means that where the water went, that's where the mountains were covered. Where the water didn't go, the mountains weren't covered. But it doesn't mean that all the mountains were covered because not everywhere, it didn't rain everywhere. Right? That's a machlekes. So now the Gemara says, on the next page, the Gemara says that, that Rosh Lakish said to Rabbi Yochanan, Bishlam mean a yard marble there to Israel. It makes sense according to me that I say the marble was everywhere. That's why everybody died. Even in Eretz Israel, everybody died. But according to you, why did everybody die in Eretz Israel? There was no water. So he said to him, Mishum Havla. He said to him, the reason why everybody died was because the waters were hot, like the Gemara is going to say later, and the, 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 the heat from the water went into Eretz Yisrael and killed the people in Eretz Yisrael, the heat of the water. 
There's no water, just the heat from the water. And people died from the, from the air. All right, good. So now the Gemara says later, the Gemara says like this. The Gemara asks a question, right? Oh, wait, so we'll back up. So the second answer of Toysvis on, uh, on, the, on the Pasuk that says that according to Rabbi Yochanan, what do you mean? What do you mean that the waters weren't in Eretz Israel? I, the, 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 the Pasuk says that the waters covered all of the mountains. Says Toysvis, says Toysvis, it doesn't mean the waters covered all the mountains. It means that the heat that came from the waters covered all the mountains. So in Eretz Israel, it was the heat that covered the mountains, not the actual water. That's the Machlis. Now the Gemara says, the Gemara says that, the Gemara says that Rav Chista said that Vama Rav Chista they, they, they were, their, their infraction was in heat. And therefore, they, the, the water was hot, they melted. So the Gemara says, okay, so if that's true, if that's true, then how did the ark survive? The ark was, was, was covered with pitch, but why didn't the pitch melt in the heat of the water? If the water was hot, why didn't it melt? For Oiden, furthermore, says the Gemara, Oig Melech Aboshin, Echa Habikoi. How did Melech Oig Melech Aboshin, how is he able to stand? In the water. Why didn't he melt, even though he was so tall? That Oig Melech Aboshin was so tall that he didn't get drowned, but he should have gotten killed by the heat. Right? So the Gemara says, the Gemara says, a miracle happened. There was a miracle that happened that on the side, wherever the ark went, on the side of the ark, that's where Org Melchabashim was, I guess, next to the ark. Whatever, and there was, it, was, it wasn't hot. So the pitch didn't melt away. The pitch wasn't uh, disengaged from the ark because it wasn't hot, hot around the ark. Right, this is the this is the uh, Gemara. So this is our short for the evening. I was thinking like this. It comes out according to this that if you were standing in the middle of Eretz Yisrael, if a person was standing in the middle of Eretz Yisrael, Mamish with no water in sight, they died from the heat of the water, not the water itself, but from the heat of the water. But if they were in the water, mamish, but they were next to the ark, they were in the raging water, mamish, inside the water that was boiling out, but they were next to the ark, they didn't die. So you hear, the water is what's killing everybody, right? You could be in the water and not die, or you could be outside the water and die. What's the shot? So I was thinking like this. There's this book written by Yaffa Eliach. It's called The Hasidic Tales of the Holocaust. Okay? So in the, the, it's stories. A lot of the stories from the Blue Jewel Rebbe. So the first story of the Blue Jewel Rebbe is, is that they, you know, 
the Nazis took Rahman Latzman, they took the people, and they told them they have to, they, they made them dig a pit, and they told them they jump, they have to jump over the pit. And if they don't make it, they get shot, and, and goodbye, that's where they were buried, right? So the Blushim Rebbe was on the side of the pit, the story goes. And uh, there was this guy sitting next to him, uh, a Yid, but he wasn't, he was uh, an apostate, not a religious Jew. Good. So the Nazis came, it was the Blue Jew Rebbe's turn, and they made him jump over, uh, over the pit. So the Blue Jew Rebbe said, you know, I'm not gonna, I don't know if I'm going to make it. I'm sure this Yid is not going to make it, you know. So he, the Blue Jew Rebbe jumped over the pit, and he made it. And then, to his surprise, he saw the Yid also next to him and also made it. He also jumped over the pit and he made it. So, the, Reb, the, so, so, so the, the Rebbe said to the Yid, he said, how did you make it across? He said, Rebbe, I hung on, I hung on to your clothing. So, you, you, so I knew that in your schus I'd make it, right? He says, but Rebbe, tell me, how did you make it across? He said, I hung on to the, to the clothing, to, 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 to the schus of my, of, my, of, my, of my parents and my forefathers. Right? You hear the vote? Yeah. So, it's like this. If you were next to the teva, yeah, then the teva is surviving. The Rabboni Shalom came to Noyach and he said, Noyach, you're going to make it through the flood, right? If you, hung on, if you hang on to the teva, Right? You're making it. But if you're not hanging on to the table, you're not making it. Right? So it's like this. The water could be represented as the vicissitudes of life. The water can be represented as the, you know, the ebbs and flows of life are things bad and good that happen. Life is tough. Right? So in the bathroom once in New Mexico, in the bathroom, men's bathroom in the airport, over there, no, in El Paso, Texas, it says, life is tough and so are you. It says it on the, on the mirror. Yeah? So life, life is tough. You hear, you hear the vote? Life is tough. This is what the, 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 the captain said to Yoina. He said, Yoina, there's a storm out there. What are you sleeping for? <coughs> right? So in a homiletic sense, we could say, there's a storm in the world. You can't, you, what are you sleeping for? You can't sleep. Right? You got to get the teva. You got to hang on to the teva. You got to hang on to the, to the Rebbe. Or to, you know, to the schus of the Rebbe. You got to hang on. So it's like this. If you, if you are not hanging on to the Rebbe, you're not hanging on to the teva, to, to, to the teva. even if, if a person is at home, they're not even in the water. They're going to die from the atmosphere, from the, the water brinks. But if they're hanging on to the table, then even if they're in the water, they're surviving anyway. You hear? Mm -hmm. That's the vote. This is our short. Next short, ready? Nothing to do with what we just said. Absolutely nothing. Maybe, I, I don't know. But absolutely nothing. The question for the item is like this. But for you, just out of curiosity, the table is what? It's Torah, it's... Tzadikim, what, what yeah, yeah, whatever it is. I mean, yeah, yeah, the Rabbi Shalom comes to him and he says, you're a tzaddik, right? So you have a tzaddik. You, you have, it's like the blue of a rabbi. You know, you're hanging out to the table. Yeah. Whatever's around the tzaddik is going to survive, right? 
All right. So that is, what's the not? This is nothing to do with what we're saying. New thing, new topic, new topic completely. What's the difference between Moshe Rabbeinu and Noach? That's our question. What the, what is the difference in Moshe Rabbeinu? Lachoira, if you think about it, Moshe Rabbeinu and Noach had the same exact experience. After the Jewish people made the golden calf, the Torah says, in Parshas Kisisa, Periklam at Beis, chapter 32, right? Chapter 32, verses uh, 9 and 10, Hashem says to Moshe, Vayoyim Hashem and Moshe, they made the, they, 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 they made the Egel. I see this, I'm sure if they're stiff-necked people, stubborn Leave me alone, says Hashem to Moshe Rabbeinu. I'm angry at them, and I will destroy them all. I'm going to make you into a great nation. Yeah? So we have to say that Moshe Rabbeinu and Noach went through the same experience. That Rabbanu Shalom comes to Moshe Rabbeinu and he says, first of all, before, we, before they go through the same experience, the Jewish people and Moshe in relationship is the same as the before the Jewish people are in existence and all the people in the world and Noach, right? Noach is the tzaddik, the highest level of society, the, you know, the most, the, on the hierarchy of society, he takes up the, the highest spot. And then, then there is the, the rest of the commoners of the world that, that walk the face of the earth, right? The Torah says he's the tzaddik. So the tzaddik and the rest of the people. Then we have Moshe Rabbeinu. And we have the Jewish people. Moshe Rabbeinu is the, the Navi of Hashem. He's on the highest level. He's the king. Right? And then there's the rest of the people. So Moshe to the Jewish people is the same as Noach to the, to the people. Even more we can even say that, that, that Moshe and the Jewish people took over the position of the people and Noach. And they go through the same situation. Hashem comes to Moshe and he says, I'm going to destroy them all because they made the, ca- the, the, they made the, they made the, the, the golden calf. And I'm going to make you into, I'm going to make you into the Jewish people. You're going to be the Jewish people now. Right? Hashem comes to Noach and he says, I'm going to destroy the whole planet you're going to go in the ark and you're going to survive. So who's going to be the whole planet? Noach. So, so he said, Rabbi Nisham is saying the same thing to, to Noach as he said to Moshe. Or to Moshe as he said to Noach. You're going to be, continue on and everybody else is going to die. So what is the difference between Moshe and Noach? That's right. The difference is, is that Noach says, okay, whatever you say to Rabbi Nisham, you want to destroy the world, put me in the ark. Amen. Right? Literally and figuratively. Amen. Moshe Rabbeinu says, no, 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 no. Right? No. I'm not coming. Moshe Rabbeinu says to starts to David. Why are you so angry? We know the rest, right? He davens that they should survive. What's the difference between Noach and Moshe? Is that Moshe says no? 
You know, we have that famous story, uh, the, the, the famous story with the Baal Shem Tov, we always say. We're going to forget who's Shimon and who's Ruvain. Mm-hmm. You know the story I'm talking about, right? I don't think so. So you have Shimon and Ruvain, they're best friends. They grow up together, go to the same school together, they, you know, same age. And then they get married, both get jobs. Help me remember the names, I'm going to forget the names. Then Ruvain gets poor. So he comes to Shimon, asks him for, uh, oh, wait, 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 before we start that, wait, wait. So the Baal Shem Tov was traveling along, he goes from town to town, and he, you know, he, just, he, he goes to shul, and he speaks in a shul, and this, he comes to a shul, and he starts speaking, and he faints. So they revive him, they put water on him, whatever, he gets up, and he tells the story. There was once upon a time, there were two friends, Shimon and Ruvain. Ruvain became poor, and he went to Shimon and asked him to borrow money. So Shimon said, no problem. For my friend Ruvain, no problem. I'll give you money. You want money? Fine. Table switch. Shimon becomes poor, goes to Ruvain, and, 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 and Ruvain becomes rich. So Shimon comes to Ruvain, and he says, can I borrow money? He says, well, you know, I'm, you know. I got it all invested. It's very hard for me to do it. I don't know if I can, I, I don't know if I can swing it. All right. A few years later, tables turn. Ruben becomes poor. Shimon becomes rich. Ruben comes to Shimon. He says, can I borrow money? for? I, I, need, I need money to... Uh... Shimon says, for sure. For my friend Ruben, no problem. Of course. Of course, I, I give you money. Tables switch again. Ruben becomes rich. Shimon becomes poor. Shimon comes to Ruvain to ask him for money. And Ruvain says, I'm sorry, I can't. I just can't do it. All right, fine. This happens a few more times, and always Shimon helps out Ruvain. Ruvain never helps Shimon. Good, they live until a ripe old age. They both die. Shalom Yisrael. Baruch Dynamis. They go up to the Shemayim, and they come over there, and they come in front of the Bezin Shalmala, and the Bezin Shalmala says, Shimon is going to Olam Abba, and Ruvain is not. Because Shimon did Chesed all his life, and Ruvain didn't. Right? So fine. You know, they accept the din, and, and goodbye. So they start leading him out, and, Ruvain, and Shimon says, no, I'm not going to Olam Abba without my friend Shimon. Ruvain. Without my friend Ruvain. Thank you. There you go. I'm not going on my board without my friend Ruben. All right. So there's a whole commotion and they have to make a, they make a, a din. What, what should they do? Uh, Shimon refuses to go to Olam Abba without his friend Ruben. Right? Ruben can't come to Olam Abba. He, he didn't earn it. Fine. So the Rabban Shem says, we're going to do like this. Both Shimon and Ruben are going to come back to life, live a second life. And one time in Shimon's life, he's going to come to Reuven and ask him for money. And if Reuven gives him money, he can come to Olam with Shimon. Fine. So they're born again. Friend, they, they, they don't know each other from beads at all. Zero. They grow up on the different parts of it. Reuven is incredibly rich. He's got a big house, big staircase. He's, got a, he's, got a, he's like a, stu- a Scrooge. He's, he doesn't give anybody money. He's, he's a miserly character. Mean. He has a staircase, long staircase, a big door. Mishulach comes to him, but the door, he opened it, he had the hinges switched. He opens the door out. Mishulach falls down the stairs. 
He's, Ruben is not a Gishmaka person. <laughs> Shimon, Shimon is, is poor like never. Shimon is like, like doesn't have a penny in his name. He eats the, the, the dust. He begs for money all the time. Eventually, Shimon gets depressed and he says, that's it. I had enough. I'm going to end it all. Just going to jump off the Golden Gate Bridge. And, and that's it. So his family says to him, listen, Shimon, I know, I know it's terrible, but maybe you go. There's a, there, there are rich guys you can ask to help you out. He says, well, I don't know any rich guys. He said, Ruvain, go to Ruvain. Go to Ruvain and, uh, and uh, go ask him for, uh, for, for money. He says, Ruvain, that miserly guy is not going to give me anything, zero. Forget it. They go to, listen, the worst can happen, he's going to say no. So he goes to he goes he travels to 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 to, to Ruvain's, um, he goes and he travels to uh, Ruvain's place, makes the trek up the up the, the stairs, knocks on the door, nobody answers. Knocks on the door again, the butler answers. Looks at him and says, "Can I help you?" So. Uh, uh, what's his name? Shimon says, Shimon says, can I, can I, can I, he hesitates, says, can I, can I have a penny? He says, I can't believe I asked for that. I need more than a penny. I need like, you know, $50,000 on a penny. Why did I say that? And the butler is like, hesitates because people usually ask for more money. And, she, and just at that moment, as the, the Shimon was having a conversation with, with the, with the butler, Ruvain was walking by in the back. Ruvain was walking by in the back and he overheard. And then Ruvain stops dead in his tracks. Tells, comes up to the front door, tells, excuses the butler, and he says, what did you ask for? He says, I just want a penny. That's it. So Ruvain goes through all kinds of turmoil in his... In his, in his um, kishkas. In his kishkas. It's only a penny. Usually I don't give people, but he's not asking for much. You know, he looks like he's done and out. What can it hurt? Penny doesn't mean anything to me. Back and forth, back and forth. And then he decides, no, I'm not going to give him the money. He slams the door out. And Shimon falls down the stairs and he dies. So as the Baal Shem Tov is telling the story, a man faints in the, in the, in the crowd. So they, they revive the man, they pour water on his head, and as soon as he's conscious, he screams. I'm not going to scream because it's not giving a Shabbos drosha. He screams, he says, he, sa- he screams and he says, Shimon, if I would have known it was you, I would have given you the penny. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. Right? So, 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 what's the difference between Moshe and Rabbeinu and, 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 and Nayach? is that Moshe Rabbeinu says, no, I'm not going without Klaus, I'm not going without my friend Shimon, uh, my friend Ruben. right? And Noyach says, Noyach, I don't know, he doesn't think of it, it's a, we can't blame Noyach, right? It's just, it's just that, that Moshe Rabbeinu is, special, is, is beyond, above that, right? He's, he's Moshe Rabbeinu, is courageous. Moshe Rabbeinu is heroic more than Noyach. That's the difference between Moshe Rabbeinu and Noyach. I think it's true, but I also think that Moshe was, was 
pushed along by Hashem. You know, as he first he got him his brother to talk because he couldn't talk, and then you walked him through the plagues. You know, go tell Pharaoh this, go tell Pharaoh. I mean, he was prodded along to some extent. But it's true. Well, I don't know if Noah was, you know, had. You talk about being pulled by your, your heritage, right? I don't know if Noah, uh, Noah had such a great heritage to draw from. I mean, while I feel that Moshe, you know, there's the Avot, you know, there's Abraham, Joseph, etc. He had he had something to pull from that that heroism. Okay, I mean, yeah, let's say that. It's a lesson for us, right? That when we come in a situation, we should always try to think of others, right? We should try to be heroes, yeah. like our hero, Moshe Rabbeinu. Yeah. Right? All right. The difference is that Moshe was talking to a bunch of slaves that wanted to leave. Noah was talking to a world that was doing whatever they wanted. And the world might have been chaotic, but they still were doing whatever they wanted. And that was the problem. Right, but Noach could have said, no, don't destroy. He could have davened for them, maybe. Like Sanford said before. But he did, we don't find that he davens for them. He doesn't even ask, like Abraham Avinu does. By the Anchi Stone, at least Abraham Avinu says, right, the altar of Kelm in, in volume two of his Chochmo Musr, he says that the Rabbani Shum specifically appeared to Abraham Avinu. Right? Because he said, Ki adativ, ki because I know that he's going to command his children. So the author of Kelmi says, it means I know that he's going to be an example for generations. So I must teach through him that you have to pray, you have to daven for the Rishoyim. So he wants to use Abraham Avinu as an example. Right? And Noyach didn't, Noyach didn't, wasn't, wasn't an example of that. At least. If he, if he wasn't given the opportunity, whatever. That's short number two. Short number three. Now we are off the parsha. Now we're going back to Yontif. Okay, number number two. What's the difference between Gehenna and Simchas Torah? That's our question. What's the difference in Gehenna and Simchas Torah? So now, what is the so the answer is like this? What is the song that we sing before we throw all the kids up? In the beginning of the Hakka, uh, by the Hakkas. No, we sing Moshe Emes Vesurasa Emes, right? That's what we sing. And then we throw the kids up when we sing Moshe Emes Vesurasa Emes, right? That's what we do on Simchas Now, the Gemara in Sanhedrin, Dav Kuf Yud, Amir Aleph, 110a, says the following. So, this. The Torah tells us in Parshas Pinchas, that the children of Korach didn't die. Yeah? So the Gemara says a story, we learned the name Rabbeinu. When they got swallowed up into the earth through the hole, there was a little place that was opened up, a plateau in Gehenna. The Yashva love, and they sat on it, and they sang a song. Rabbi Machana said, one time I was walking on the road, Rabbi Yahutaya, an Arab said to me, Come, I'll show you where they were swallowed. He saw two furrows in the ground, and there was smoke coming out of the furrows, out of the ground. He took a cotton ball. 
Amshay Maya, he dipped it in water. He put on a spear. And he, and he put the spear with the cotton ball inside the hole in the ground. And it got cinched. So this is where he said to him, this is where Gehenim is, and that's the Bnei Korach over there. Amalei said to him, Listen to what, listen to the hole. Put your ear to the hole and listen, to, tell me what you hear. Visham is David Ka'amri, listen, and he's heard that the Bnei Korach was saying, Moshe Emes, Visarosa Emes, Moshe Emes, Visarosa Emes, Vehem Badoyim, and they are liars. Yeah? Who's saying that? The uh, the Bnei Korah, the children of Korach in Gehenna were saying Moshe Emes and Surah Emes when we are liars or they are liars they're referring to themselves in the third person. So the answer is what's the difference between Simchas Torah and Gehenna? The difference is whether or not you say and we are liars. Having to say A critical thing about oneself, that's Gehenna. To be able to face, not to be able to, but to have to face, right? David, you know, you, you, right? You're saying that, David, you hear? Having to face, I don't, I I don't know if you can hear. No, I don't have it on speaker. Having to face one's, um, you hear David? We're saying MS. Having to face your own your own uh, detractions is uh, is uh, is like Gehenna. That's why in Simchas Torah we're besimcha because we don't have to say that. All we have to do is just say Moshe Emes and Sarasa Emes without saying the opposite, right? But the Bnei Korach had to say it. That's Gehenna. You hear this? The reason why it's Ganem is because there's a Mishnah. The Mishnah in, uh, the Mishnah in uh, what is it? Uh, the Mishnah in the Goyim says that a person does not see their own, uh, what is it? Their own blemishes. So, flaws. A person does not see their own flaws. So when we have to face our own flaws, when we don't see them, it's a very painful experience. Which is equivalent to Gehenim. Is a Mishnah called Goyim? Negoyim, which is about oh, Saras. Oh. Right. Um, yeah, so that's our third short. That's our third short. It's also here a Gemara at the end of Ksubis. Just have to remember uh, which daf it's at. But uh, yeah, the Gemara at the end of Tractate Subis also says this that a person does not see, a person cannot see their own their own faults. So having to have to face our own faults, unfortunately, right, is a very painful experience, which is equivalent to Gehenim. So this is a, this is our trivia that the the, the difference between Gehenim and Simchastara is whether or not we say we are Badoyim. Yeah. Rabbi? Right. Yes. So, you, so Gehenim is where we're not lying to ourselves. Is that what you're saying? 
Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yes. <laughs> right. Gehenna is where we're not lying to ourselves, but we're, but we're, what is it? We're, it's not, it's, it's very painful. It's easier to lie to ourselves, right? It's very painful to, uh, to face the truth. Not really, because we could, we could, um, um, here, the Gemara is on 105b in Ksubis. They ain't other roya choivalats, when a person does not see an obligation, a fault to themselves, we could say. No, not really, because we could do it the easy way. You know? We can do it the easy way. We can face it, instead of being forced to face it. Okay, that's our... We have two more shorts, but we're running out of time, so maybe one more short. All right? So, um, yeah. One more short, at least, yeah. One more. We, we only have time for one more. The Gemara tells us in Tractate Menachas, on page 18a, this is a song that we sing, a song that we sing on Simchas A lot of people sing this song. The Gemara tells a story here that there was once Rebbe Lazar ben Shemua found Yosef Ababli that he was sitting and, and he was learning. Right? Um, so he says, Rebbe Lazar Matasi, Yosef Ababli, Yosef Lefanav, Ayachab, Loi, Biyoser, Adla Achas. Omer Loi, Well, we was talking in the beginning. It says like this. I'm a Rebbe. Rebbe said, Kishahalachti lematus midoisai, Eitzel Rebbe Lozabin Shemur. When I went to Rebbe Lozabin Shemur, Vamilo lematus midoisai, Shur Rebbe Lozabin Shemur, Matosi Yosef Ababli Yosef Lefonov. I saw that Yosef Ababli was sitting in front of Rebbe Lozabin Shemur, Vayachov Biyosa Adla Achas, until they came to one halacha. Omer Loi, Hashoichir as a Zevach Lanich Midomo Lemochor Mahu. He said to him, what happens if you shech the carbon on the condition that its blood should be left for tomorrow? What is the halacha? Because you're not supposed to do that. Armaloi kosher. He said to him, it's kosher. Arvis, at Mayriv, he asked him the same question. He said to him, kosher, it's kosher. At Shachris, he asked him the same question. He said, kosher. In the afternoon, he asked him the same question. He said, kosher. In Mincha, he asked him the same question. He said, it's kosher. But Rabbi Lezer says, it's possible. All of a sudden, says the Gemara, it's all of a Yosef Ababli, all of a sudden, Yosef Ababli started to smile. Amar loy, Yosef, said Rabbi Lezer ben Shamua, it seems to me that you were not satisfied with the halacha until I said this last line. That Rabbi Lazar says it's no good. Amar Lai said to him, Rabbi Hain, you're right. Because when I was reviewing my learning, Elisha Rabbi Yehuda, Paisel Shonali, 
I heard that Rabbi Yehuda said it's not kosher. V'chzarti akol tamidim. I went and I asked all his students. Ubikashti lichaber, and I I try to find somebody else that agrees with this opinion. V'lo matzasi, but I and I couldn't find it. Now that you told me that Rabbi Eliezer agrees that it's not kosher. You've returned from me in all lost object. Now I know that there is an opinion that says kosher and an opinion says puzzle. Until then, I thought maybe I was imagining things or something. So what did the Gemara says? What was the re- re- reaction of Rabbi Elazar ben Shamua? Zolgu einab dimois. The the eyes of Rabbi Elazar ben Shamua flowed with tears. He started to cry. Amr, he said. The following words, and these are the songs that we sing on 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 Ashreichem tamide chachamim. Happy are you, tamide chachamim, Torah scholars. Shidirei Torah chavivim aleichem biyoiser. That the you the words of Torah are beloved to you so much. Koravalava mikrazen. He said to him on this pasuk. Ma hafti Torah secha. How I love your Torah. Kol ayomisi chasi. The entire day I speak it. Yes? Pasuk in Tehillim 119.37. Alright, that's the story. That's the, uh, the Gemara in Menachas 18a. So it's interesting that the Gemara says, Zolgu ein of Dimois, that Rabbi Elizabeth and Jemua's eyes were filled with tears. They flowed with tears. Because... Rabbi Elizabeth ben Shemua, if you remember, is one of the Asura Rugi Malchus. He's one of the ten people that were killed. One of the ten rabbis that were killed. That we say, on Yom Kippur. So on Yom Kippur, we say, in the middle of Musaf, on Yom Kippur, we say, in the piyut, in the poem called Ela Eskara, these I shall recall. And we, 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 we recall all of the all of the chachamim that were killed at different times. One of those chachamim is Rabbi Lazar ben Shemur. and it says by him like this: Ra'ada tachois kol shemua. Trepidation grabbed everybody who heard the hearing. Vatizal kol ayin dimua, and every eye was filled with tears. V'nepach le'evel, and it was turned into mourning. Kol shashua, all of the delight. Baharigas Rabbalazab and Shamua and the killing of Rabbalazab and Shamua. And Rabbalazab and Shamua was killed with a sword, as we say in the Piyot in, uh, in Tishabav. He was killed with a sword in Piyot number 21 called Arze Halvonon, Adire Hatayra. If you notice, guys, it says the exact same thing in the, in the poem as it says in the Gemara. It's when the Gemara, it says that when Rabbi Elazar ben Shemur heard that Yosef Ababli was happy that he retrieved the halacha, it says, Zolgo ain of Dimois. His eyes were flowing with tears. And then in the, in the, in the poem, where it says that Rabbi ben Shemur was, was, was killed, it says that all the people that were around, the exact same language. Batizal kol ayin dimua. Every eye that saw this was filled with, with flowing tears. The Pietin, it seems, is using the same language of the Gemara in Menachas on 18a. 
in his poem in reference to the same person, Rabbi Elizabeth Shamua. Right? Maybe the Python is the, the poet is, is hinting to us that it was a Mida Kineged Mida, there was a that Rabbi Lazar ben Shamuel was paid measure for measure. Like the Gemara says in, in Sota, page 8, that Hashem pays everybody measure for measure. That the same way that Rabbi Lazar ben Shamuel was crying when he saw that some that the Torah was beloved to his student Yosef Abavli. So too, when he was killed, people were crying over his death as, 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 as a reward of measure for measure. But more than that, what does it mean when somebody cries? So the Maral explains in the, the Maral in the, Sivas, in, the Sivas Shol, in the Sivas Olam, in volume one, in the Nesiva Torah, chapter four, he says that crying means a loss that somebody was very close to. The closer somebody is to something, the more they cry when they lose it. That's what the Maral says. People cry when they lose something that they were very close to. So according to this, we say like this, that why was Rebel Azim and Shemua crying, right? When he saw how beloved it was to Yosef Abavli, the Torah, because of Elizabeth Shemua must have been very close to the Torah, and he also wanted to be the same way. He also wanted to be that the Torah should be beloved to him the same way that it was to Yosef Abavli. And that's why he was crying. He wasn't sad. He was crying. He was crying that, or maybe he was sad. Maybe he was sad that he wasn't as close to the Torah as, as a student to Elizabeth Abavli. Or maybe he was tired, crying tears of happiness because he was close to the Torah. Either way, right? Therefore, since he was close to the Torah, or the, therefore, since he was so uh, sensitive to be close to the Torah, therefore, measure for measure, his teaching was as such that people were close to him. And that's why when he died, the separation that was taking place between him and them caused them to cry because they were so close to him. So again, it was measure for measure that because he was close to the Torah, people were close to him because he was a Tamar That's our final short for the evening. Hold on, it was close. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so, so that's, yeah, Shkara. I, 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 I